This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Propax Gold with NT Factor, a complete vitamin and mineral formula. NT Factor is the only nutritional formula clinically proven to reduce fatigue, whatever the cause, age, illness, or just being run down. NT Factor repairs damaged cells and restores healthy bacteria in your digestive tract. Clinical trials have shown NT Factor reduces fatigue by almost half, and it even reverses some symptoms of aging. I've been taking NT Factor for years. With a 45-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. To order, call 800-982-9158, 800-982-9158, or go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Uh, each week, uh, we endeavor to answer your questions. That is yours truly, along with Layla Mutin, who is our nutritionist in residence. So we call this weekly podcast Q&A with Layla, and you can be part of it by sending your question to radio program at AOL.com. Uh, we enjoy comments. Uh, keep it real. Keep it uh, non-profane. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll share your views or your questions with uh, listeners and endeavor to answer them. All right. So uh, what's our next question? Yeah. This is from Michelle, who is a longtime listener, and she's 75 years old. She's a 32-year cancer survivor of endometrial papillary serous carcinoma, which was treated very aggressively. She's yeah. 75, treated at age 42 with hysterectomy and all kinds of chemo and so forth. Well, now she says, I was diagnosed with monoclonal gammopathy of undetermined significance, significance MGUS, mm -hmm. which was reported in a routine blood test last August, and I've been retested several times since. Fortunately, I have my blood and urine tests that do not, not suggest I'm getting multiple myeloma. So far, knock on wood. I am knocking on wood. Yeah. I'll be retested every five months and so forth. Is there anything you can suggest? to people with MGUS like me that they could do proactively to keep multiple myeloma at bay. I already use an anti-inflammatory diet, curcumin, turmeric, uh, um, I, and I've been doing this for years. I only eat organic. I take omega-3s, no processed foods. I can go on. My very traditional present oncologist said no and wants me not to have any further concerns about the MGUS, which, of course, I do considering mm -hmm. my history. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, MGUS uh, is monoclonal gammopathy, which uh, an overproduction of, uh, of globulins uh, is a feature of multiple myeloma. And a certain percentage of MGUS uh, progresses to multiple myeloma, which is a bone marrow and bone disease, uh, which is kind of a slow smoldering disease that uh, ultimately can be fatal, but there are now medications that can slow its progression. There's no cure for multiple myeloma, but there are now effective treatments that can make it possible to live with multiple myeloma. Uh, for yes. MGUS, it's not recommended that you undertake therapy. It's kind of like, don't shoot until you see the whites of their eyes. It, uh, you know, you get monitored yeah. for progression. And it is, uh, it's a glitch in your bone marrow where you kind of, you know, produce so you have a, a clone of cells that are mutated and can start to churn out uh, some of these uh, globulins uh, okay so is there a relationship between the very aggressive treatment that she had in the past I mean she had chemo she had radiation uh, mm -hmm. she it is possible that that you know 
damage the bone marrow and set the stage for this. But a lot of people, a very high percentage of people uh, in their 80s and 90s have MGUS. MGUS is very common. Um, it turns She's out. She's 75. Yeah. 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 So, uh, it, so uh, there's actually some evidence on vitamin D slowing the progression potentially of multiple myeloma. It's good to have adequate vitamin D on board. Beyond that, I cannot say that there's a nutritional protocol or a fix for this. I mean, it would be important to yes. evaluate this person and see what's going on nutritionally. Uh, the world's expert on MGUS is Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Not you. me, not oh. me. He is he the the top researcher in the world is located right here in New York City, and sometimes uh, you know through a mistake I get like his uh, you know I get uh, you know LinkedIn requests from him you know, and sometimes rarely somebody makes a mistake and comes to my office for MGUS and thinks that I'm the guy at my Mount Sinai Hospital. Uh, oh. I'm, I'm the nutritionist, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. He's Ronald. Yes. Uh, something his middle initial is different than mine, but he's, he's world famous. Uh, he's invented a lot of the therapies. Uh, he's really an important guy on MGUS. And, you know, you want a second opinion. Uh, he's a guy to see, but he's probably going to say the same thing. You know, it's like, yeah. there's nothing to do now. And if it gets worse, which it may not, you know, you may happily go to your grave at, uh, you know, 98 with MGUS without it having any consequences. So right. the it's fact not, that she's it's had, not gonna kill you. yeah, the fact yeah. that she's had uterine cancer many, many years ago has no relationship to the MGUS, except that maybe the intensive therapy that she got, uh, could have, you know, messed with her bone marrow. Therapies. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but, but not necessarily, not necessarily okay. because, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, while you're talking, I just, Googled, uh, does chemo result in MGUS? And there's not, there's not, there's scant research that suggests that chemo causes that, although theoretically it could. Right. Right. Uh, just based on the fact that this was over 32 years ago and the chemotherapies were likely stronger, yeah. uh, less M targeted, less, right. more toxic exposure. How do we know? You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, I will comment, so you know, she had she had uterine cancer and uh, of a type that is potentially aggressive. And uh, what she got is she got chemo and she got radiation. She also got uh, radiation. Uh, mm -hmm. I read it because I, I read the question as, as you did. Yeah. And she also got uh, intravaginal, uh, you know, radiation inserts. They sort of put radiation pellets up there and they, you know, supposed to clean out whatever cancer could have spread. And that that's, mm -hmm. that can have some very devastating long term uh, side effects. You know, sexual side effects. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, the bladder is very close to there. The intestines are close to there. A lot of side effects. And I got to say that the latest article on uterine cancer was not positive. Uh, chemo seems to have some benefits, uh, but the additional radiation uh, when they're very aggressive. Uh, it's it's questionable whether it really confers additional benefits without. You know the obvious downsides of radiation. Yes, yes. But that was because, uh, that was then, and they were more aggressive. You know, but they were thinking yeah. some of these therapies. Right, right, right. Uh, Michelle does say I have many long-term negative effects yep. yeah. from the treatment to my intestines, bones, urinary tract, etc. But I'm cancer-free. Yeah. I guess it's a trade-off. Yeah, but it's it's a trade-off that might have been achieved with a little less uh, aggressive treatment. Yeah. 
but As we're like beginning we, to they understand didn't know it. that then, but they yeah. do know now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the trend has been to uh, go to uh, lighter touch chemo, uh, more selective and to uh, use immunotherapy. But I got to say that the, there's a lot of cancers for which immunotherapy seems to work. Uh, mm. the, it's questionable as to whether it works on uterine cancer, you know, uh, mm. you know like there's definitely, uh, immunotherapy for breast, for, you know, leukemias and for, uh, uh, lung cancer, you know, Keytruda and things like that. Melanoma yeah. for sure, you know, Optivo and combinations and the immunotherapy is coming into its own, but it, it has, I'm, you know, in looking at the literature, on uterine cancer that it's it's a very common cancer and it's usually if you catch it early it's fine you know you get a hysterectomy you're done but if it's once it spreads it could be a very yeah. aggressive cancer and uh they haven't really nailed it with uterine cancer it doesn't get enough um i think research emphasis mm. so what other supplements besides she's seeing curcumin omega-3 yeah you know, would you add like a shark liver oil here? Well, or I, I think, you know, I would just assume that the urine cancer is in the rearview mirror. And I would, yeah, shark liver oil is something I mean, that the, may have a good. I mean, for the I like that, you know, there's a product called, uh, I guess, alkylglycerol from shark liver that may have mm -hmm. a good effect on the bone marrow. Um, you know, it, it's hard to know. With MGUS, you know, you want to stimulate immunity, but you don't want to overstimulate it because that effect is what's happening with some of these um, sure. bone marrow cells as they're pumping sure. out. Uh, but the, the, there's no danger in doing that with getting a good blood level of vitamin D. Absolutely. As you said earlier. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's for sure. That's for sure. I mean, that's one of the few things that's well established in multiple myeloma nutritionally. Michelle, always have your blood level of vitamin D up above 55. Yeah. Between 55 and 85 would be ideal. Mm -hmm. All the time. Yeah. All the time. And, and, you know, if you want, get a second opinion from Ronald Hoffman, but don't come to see me. <laughs> right. <laughs> the other guy. Mount Sinai <laughs> right. Hospital. And they have a, they actually have a whole center for the treatment of that. That's, you know, one of their specialities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. We've got a question here from Dennis. Uh, would you please comment in depth on the recent study that showed no benefits to time-restricted eating? You just recently wrote about this, Dr. Hoffman. I wrote it. It's in our newsletter that I got published today. So if you go to drhoffman.com, and if you haven't yet subscribed to our newsletter, do so. Uh, but you can all say you don't, you know, you don't want to subscribe to anything. Some people that we have so many subscriptions. Oh, I just want to go selectively and look. Fine. You can do that. You can still do right. that. Download an individual article. It's the latest uh, article that I've published and it talks about several things, including intermittent fasting. But we also talked, we touched upon this on my radio show last week and we actually touched upon it, uh, last week on the Q and A with Layla. So if you listen to the previous one, you'll hear it. But uh, for those who've not heard it, um, here's the story. Uh, headlines, uh, basically said, uh, there's no benefit to intermittent fasting according to the latest study because, uh, with or without intermittent fasting on a weight loss diet, you lose the same amount of weight. No advantage. Uh, so, uh, that is, uh, for, for instance, the, the New York Times headline. 
Hey, we love yeah. the New York Times science reporting. It's it's deadly accurate, isn't it, Leila? Uh, no. Oh, you're being facetious. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so here's the here's the, the article in the New York Times. Scientists find no benefit to time-restricted eating, proclaimed the New York Times last week. Another example of abysmal science reporting that was widely echoed in the mainstream press. That's what I wrote. And the study in question was in the New England Journal of Medicine. They looked at 139 overweight Chinese adults, and they divided them into two groups. One was given a calorie-restricted diet without time restrictions on eating. And the other group got the same calorie-restricted diet with instructions to reduce their window of eating to just eight hours. So that would be what's called a 16-8 time-restricted yes. eating pattern. So uh, you can also, so in other words, uh, you know, if you have breakfast at uh, ten, you got to stop eating at six, which is kind of rigorous. Yes. Okay. And what they found is their conclusion was that there was no statistical uh, difference. It did not reach significant uh, statistical significance because both groups lost weight, but the difference was not statistically significant. But that's what they said, and you've got to look at the study, the actual study. And in the study, if you yeah. look at the study. There were advantages to this time restricted mm -hmm. diet because here's the statistics. Those on the calorie restricted diet alone lost 14 pounds. Those dieting with both calorie restriction and time restriction lost 17 and a half pounds. That's significant. That, but it, because it was a relatively well, what small. What about all those three additional pounds? It, it's, yeah. it's called statistics. And in statistics, we learned that to achieve statistical significance, a p value, you know, there's a whole thing we learned in statistics. You know, you got to have big numbers, you know, maybe uh, thousands of people. And the results weren't big enough to be statistically significant, but they're different. Okay. So how's that not different? Um, and yeah. then there were other advantages to the addition of time restriction. It, it wasn't just about weight loss. The body mass index was down uh, minus 2.9 for time and calorie restricted versus minus 2.3 for calorie restricted. Body fat mass, they lost 13 pounds versus 10 pounds. So that's a difference. Wow. Waist circumference went from, uh, it was three and a half uh, inches with calorie restriction and time restriction and just two and three quarter inches. That's a three quarter inch difference, but that could be a belt size. Body fat percentage. That is belt size. That is significant. Yeah. Body fat yeah. percentage, very significant. Minus 4.3% in body fat versus minus 3% in body fat. I'll take that difference. There was also totally. uh, reduced uh, <laughs> abdominal visceral fat. That's the, the bad kind of fat that uh, causes metabolic yes. syndrome. Uh, a trend towards greater reductions in cholesterol, triglycerides, blood sugar, and insulin in the time-restricted dieters. So the other thing about it is um, – in this study, the control group was already on a 10-hour uh, a window of eating. So they compared somebody with a 10-hour uh, window to a group to with uh, an 8-hour window. Most Americans don't not eat uh, for that long. That you know, 10-hour uh, window is a is a is a fourteen ten. Uh, the vast majority of Americans don't not eat for fourteen hours a day. That would be like that's true. That would be like, okay, They'll so- get up early in the morning, as yeah. you say, very early in the morning, yeah. go through the day, have their lunch, dinner, snacks, etc. But then they'll have a bedtime something or other. Right. So, so Before going to bed. A 10-hour window means uh, uh, only eating from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Yes. Most Americans don't nearly limit meals and snacks to that extent. So, exactly. So you're comparing two groups- So what- Yes. That, that really don't- it, it's in China, so maybe the Chinese are better about it in terms of not snacking. But 
it, and by the way, both groups were obese, so it, 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 it that's why they lost a lot of weight. They restricted calories and they lost weight. And yeah. you know, I think only in China could you make people do that for twelve months. You know, very rigorously. <laughs> you know, right? It's like uh, you know, uh, you know, stick to the program or else we'll remove your social credits and you won't be able to buy a car or travel. You know, something exactly. Like that. And all your friends will shame you. Yeah, yes. exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> But they got him to do it, and so that the the, the study uh, totally misrep. I mean, the, the reporting of the study totally misrepresents the actual results, and it you know, does. shame on the Times for bad reporting again. Absolutely, shame on the Times. Yes. Yeah, and, and that's why I think that's why people like uh, what was the name of this person who questioned us. Uh, Dennis. Dennis. That's why Dennis said, tell me it ain't so, Dr. Hoffman. You know, what is your take on this? Because we'll do a little more in-depth analysis on intelligent medicine. And we don't just stick to the narrative. You know, we're going to we're no. gonna call it as we see it. That's right. Truth and science. Dennis, thank you for that very, very thoughtful question. All right. Moving on, we've got a question here from Lorraine. Dear Dr. Hoffman and Layla, our 12-year-old grandson has been diagnosed with Severs disease by an orthopedic doctor. Mm -hmm. He's very active in a variety of sports. Would appreciate your recommending any supplements that might help him with this condition. Stretching exercises were, recommend by the, were recommended by the doctor. Heartfelt thanks for your constant caring and the beacon of light you both shine in this world, helping all your listeners live their healthiest lives. I've been an appreciative listener for, from the very start and feel very blessed. Lorraine, thank you, Lorraine. Okay, th this so is, I'm not disease. a pediatrician, and this is something that I had to look up. Uh, yeah. So you want to tell it's us what it is? Inflammation of the heel bone yep. in adolescence. Mm -hmm. Right. That's that's what I saw, right? It, it sounds like the, the childhood equivalent of um, plantar fasciitis in, in some ways. Right, mm. which is a painful yeah. condition of the heel, uh, yeah. And it, I guess, it has to do with rapid growth. Uh, yeah, the growth plate growth is is still uh, not closed, and so there's pulling on it. So I, it's mostly physical treatments, from what I can see: a physical therapy, stretching, ice and cold packs, uh, Tylenol or Motrin to reduce swelling, but don't do that to a kid, and use uh, heel cup inserts that push in the heel. Yeah. Uh, I, I would suggest that we check his vitamin D levels because some of these conditions can be related to vitamin D bone conditions. Um, yes. You know, you know, if he has and low a low vitamin D is also associated with pain syndromes. Yeah. So that it's, could also it, it's also associated with a susceptibility to um, uh, runners fractures. You know, some of the runners. Uh, you know, develop uh, repetitive stress injuries. A stress fractures. Stress fra so-called stress fractures, and uh, yeah. there is an association with uh, low vitamin D levels. So, I mean, that's all I can think of. I mean, I, you know, if say this kid was brought into us, you know, we would do a whole analysis on on his diet. You know, is he getting enough essential fatty acids? Is he getting a wide assortment of nutrients? Kids often eat very narrowly. And, you know, we might yes. provide him with general nutritional support. But, uh, you know, the good news is you grow out of these things. You grow out of these things. Yes. Yes. It's called Severs disease. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I wonder, should that even be classified as a disease? 
It, anyway. I think it's just a sort of a natural consequence of growth uh, associated yeah. with lots of physical activity because the growth plate isn't closed. And it's mm. a, uh, I, it's a so-called Achilles heel, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's a sort of a weak spot in the attachment of the bones to the tendons and it gets inflamed or it gets micro trauma and then it, you know, then pain syndrome results. So, yeah. I mean, you could also, I mean, as a child, I mean, I wouldn't recommend taking oral CBD, but, you know, you might also rub in some CBD cream because that could be mm. helpful uh, locally yeah. for, for inflammation and pain. I mean, you could even get well, uh, some over-the-counter, uh, you know, if you think not sort what of, about, go ahead. What about Arnica? Would you, what would you think about Arnica if Arnica, they don't want to curcumin, which is anti-inflammatory, yeah. uh, omega-3 fish oil, even uh, uh, SPM, you know, the uh, yes. specific oh, pro-resolving SPM. mediators, which is a good supplement for inflammation. Um, yeah. And another thought is, uh, you know, if, if you don't want to take oral, I don't think you want to give a kid uh, ibuprofen or a leave, but you can also sure. get the topical, uh, you know, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. Um mm. Volterin, mm-hmm. topical, you know, and it's not going to get into the bloodstream very much and just apply it and maybe that'll provide some relief, you know, Yeah. locally. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Leila, you know, right. time flies when you're having fun. and uh, Oh, it sure that, does. Yeah. We, we have a couple <laughs> of questions in the mailbag, but we need more questions for next week. So, uh, fire away with your questions and remind you that the destination for questions is radio program at AOL.com. Thank you for your great questions this week. And thank you, Layla. Thanks, Dr. Hoffman. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great week. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. This is Layla Mutin, RD. I see patients regularly, along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.